One thing that I've really tried to advocate for in, in my studio teaching is thinking about the role that interior design can play in much larger geopolitical issues. You know, we are living in a time of environmental adversity and, you know, you're thinking about the kind of political makeup of our world over the last couple of years. You know, they're things that heavily influence us as artists and designers, architects, creative people. Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. And I'm here with James Carey, who lectures in the interior design department in the school and is also a visual artist, uh, calls himself a visual artist, but he's kind of practices as an interior designer. I think in this area, James, it all gets a little bit blurry. And I think the media certainly not helping where interior design sits. So... Uh, Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Now, James, you started studying Chinese and philosophy at Monash University. I did, And then yes. you went to RMIT to study interior design. I did. And you've just got a doctorate. You've I've just... finished my PhD at the end of uh, 2016. So oh, okay, a few, a few years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Why interior design and why, the, you know, why did you switch from arts to interior design and was there someone in the family that said oh maybe do this um not necessarily I, I think at the time um you know I'd always uh practiced as an artist I was doing a lot of painting through my um bachelor of arts degree and, and took a number of electives at the Caulfield campus in the in the art department there um I had some friends who were studying architecture at RMIT and um spatial practice really intrigued me um, and doing a bit of research into the interior design program at RMIT, um, it was a really exciting opportunity um, just because the, of the way in which they think about interior not being limited to the inside of a building um, and, you know, thinking about interior at all sorts of different scales, um, civic scales, kind of bodily, bodily scales. And so I think for me, um, you know, the excitement about that in terms of um, the, the possibilities within that program and me studying it, sort of, that's why I went there and sort of haven't left. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you have worked with a number of um, practices, large and small. Yeah, and I did, I have done a lot of sort of uh, residential projects for, my, for um, you know, friends and by myself. Um, I just completed a project in North Fitzroy with a, a good architecture um, friend of mine. Who can you name? That um, Campbell Drake. He actually works up at um, UTS in Sydney. But um, uh, yeah, we we kind of finished a um, a large extension on a, an old terrace house in Fitzroy North in Ray Street there, and turned it into a kind of a four bedroom um, family home. So that was kind of good. But yeah, I've I've um, I spent a lot of the time. Um, I spent many years working on large um, hotel projects overseas. Um, and then um, before I became a full-time academic, more specifically uh, hospitality um, projects here in Melbourne and, and around Australia. So. Um, James, when, when students go into the program, I mean, interior design's really been messed around a lot mm. in the broader sphere, mm -hmm. the public. A lot of people don't even know what it is anymore. Yep. Students who come into your program... You know, what are they kind of, you know, the first-year students, they're really wide-eyed. Yeah, they are, yeah. And how do they see interior design or what the course offers? Yeah. I think, our, I mean, the students that come into our program are um, knowledgeable about what we do. They've either, you know, done their research really well, come to Open Day, they've had friends who've studied or they have had friends who study in the School of Architecture and Urban Design. 
they, they also know, I mean, we also have two other programs. There's an associate degree and a, and a diploma of interior design and decoration. And so I think that, um, like what I was saying before with, um, you know, the students do a lot of projects in first year that sort of opens up yeah. all these kinds of um, things that they hadn't thought about in relation to interior, interiority. What, so, what are those things, James, that the, the young kind of fairly, you know, fresh well, like, students you, kind of are surprised at? Well, I think what I was saying before that, you know, we really think about interior um, outside of the conventions of architecture. It doesn't have to be, you know, we, we talk about the urban interior and a lot of our studio projects are kind of dealing with using the CBD here as a bit of a laboratory. So I think, you know, like the, the first year students in terms of, um, you know, ex- exploring and experimenting with materials, both in the workshops and, and, and with themselves, thinking about interior at different scales and speeds. And, you know, we really think about interior too, about this, it's a spatial and temporal practice. It, you know, things exist in and through time as in combination with a kind of a spatiality to it. So, um, yeah, a lot of the, you can see that a lot of the first year students having their minds blown, but then, um, you know, well, because we, they, they come in thinking it's about just colour and well, yeah, and I mean, if putting you think a few pieces of furniture here and there. Yeah, and in mainstream media, you've got television shows like The Block and, you know, house flipping programs and, and that, you know, a lot of people... And as we were talking before, you know, there is no uh, kind of official accreditation in the in the profession. So you can, you know, you could call yourself an interior designer and have a fantastic Instagram page, and you know, um, you make money from that. You can, as an interior designer, you don't necessarily have to go and study it. So I think, um, you know, we, we, I, my, my role in the program now is um, final year coordinator, and, and which is a embedded honours. Um, which is a, a year-long research project for those students and the variety and diversity of projects that have been coming out of that fourth year. Um, Give find, me an example, find, James, because a lot of people would be interested, I am. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of projects dealing with kind of so, uh, social cultural concerns, um, thinking about um, uh, new advanced technologies in terms of um, the, the last two years that we've just had in terms of, you know, virtual spaces, um, for example, there was a project last year that was dealing with uh, kind of new retail experiences that are solely through kind of a digital platforms and virtual platforms. Um, you know, we had a project a few years ago, um, a, uh, a mobile kitchen that um, uh, was uh, inserted on, onto this student's bicycle and, and did a series of projects riding around creating um, community through kind of facilitation of cooking food. So... Um, but then we, you know, we do have students who kind of take on sort of, you know, medium density um, housing um, projects in 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 China. Uh, we have students who kind of um, take on, you know, restaurant projects, hospitality projects. So like I was saying before, there is an opportunity for them to really kind of um, explore and push the boundaries of what um, interior can be. Um, James, what do you think makes for a, a really great interior designer? Or a designer generally, like what? What you know? You must see all these, you know, candidates, young kids lining up. Yeah. But what do you see? It's not just what they produce in perhaps a folio. But what do you think takes someone who's just not just good, but someone who's really got spark yeah. and a point of difference? Like, yeah. I mean, I I think um, you know, obviously, you've got to be pretty pretty great at what you do in terms of um your your proposals and, and things like that but I think the the most important thing the things that I've learned um, 
communication and and being able to converse, you know, actually have conversations with multiple different kind of collaborators and stakeholders are involved in projects because ultimately whether if you're practicing as a as a sole sole practitioner or in a team or in a very large kind of global team you're dealing with um not only the the people that you're working with potentially you know engineers architects landscape designers then you've got you know the client obviously and then you're dealing with um you know suppliers tradespeople contractors all of that sort of stuff so i think a good designer is somebody who is can adapt within those sorts of situations and be able to kind of um communicate quite transparently across all those um kind yeah. of different um platforms yeah why has it i mean look i don't want to name shows and i don't want to name aspects of the media but you know, it's it's been going a long time. Um, interior design. I mean, people like Sue Carr, yeah, from Car Designs and Interior Designer. She's from RMIT, yeah, and she was in the course. She was yeah. one of the first people to enrol in the course in its yeah. early days. So you know, it has quite a legacy of really great designers. Andrew Parr has studied here from yeah. uh, Director of SJB, yeah, and you know, they both reflect how great the course was yeah. and how it really opened their minds. But why is it? In you know 2022, we haven't really, we haven't developed a language to really explain where things are going and give it more of a, a higher profile. Because, I mean, is it that I mean I'm making this a long question, but is it that there's too many? You know, anyone can call themselves a designer. You can mm. be a decorator, and then you're an interior designer. Well, an architect is more. You know, you actually have to have that. Yeah. piece of paper and registered exactly yeah um yeah i know i, I mean in, the interior design um profession discipline is relatively young like it's not it doesn't have that um history like architecture yeah. does as a discipline when would you say marion hall best in australia i mean who were you talking about when do you when do you see the emergence of interior design in australia well i mean you know the rmit interior design program started in 1949 and we what? you know we cel- we celebrated our 80th birthday back in 2019 mm. so i think that um you know when you think of people like Mary Featherston and, and you know, the through maybe through the 50s and that, you know, the influence of the international style and, and, and um, things that were happening in Europe especially. And I think maybe here in Australia it started to become, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm making a generalisation here, but maybe it, maybe it became a thing, you know, people's kinds of, um, the way that they lived. You know, obviously after the Second World War there's huge kinds of, things happening in terms of um, urban sprawl and development and housing that's being built here in Australia. So maybe that's, you know, the advent of kind of interior and thinking about interior design at that stage. I think, though, you know, it does also then have a a long history before that, especially in in Europe, in terms of, um, you know, painting practice and and visualisation kind of documentation and things like that. But I think as well it's become, maybe in the last 20 years, it's become really, you know, a bit of a thing too, like through kind of popular mass media and and certain television shows and now with, you know, things like Instagram and, and Twitter where things are so accessible and, and people can kind of quite quickly. And is that a pro- that uh, Look, for my generation, James, I find that a problem when everything's so quick. Yeah. I mean, interior design isn't whatever design it is, whether it's even if it's art, it mm. shouldn't be quick, surely. Shouldn't there be a bit of a thought process 
behind things? Yeah, I think more, more what I'm talking is about <laughs> it, it, uh, people um, using those platforms to um, showcase others' work in terms of, um, or, or, you know, kind of quick kind of styling or, or kind of decora- decorative kind of things. I d- yeah, I mean, of course, you know, uh, things shouldn't be rushed, but I don't know whether thinking through a lot of the students and their interests and, you know, the, the way in which they navigate the world, especially through these digital devices, I think that it's, um, there's a lot of kind of positive things that are coming out of that too. We've had a lot of studios investigating you know those spaces as as a as a potential place to play in as um, interior design. James, often you know they uh, interior design is linked to fashion. Yeah, a very strong link to that, and we've got a bit of at the moment a late sixties, early seventies, mid seventies revival going on, and there is a really strong seventies vibe mm. in interiors, furniture, objects. You know, I mean, it kind of follows naturally from the fifties, which was strong for the last few decades but you know i think people are kind of moving forward how do you see it is it something that you just see something as a a momentary thing and then there'll be the next thing or do you try and teach students that it's really not about a look anymore it's actually about the ideas and developing ideas yeah i mean we're very much an ideas led program i um you know aesthetics is something that comes out of the ideas it's not something that i personally um Foster. No, I mean, I mean, there are definitely others that teach into the into the program and the discipline that you know that's that's what it's about. There's furniture making, furniture design courses, and things like that. But you know, the the role that I have as a as design studio teaching is you know we begin the semester with a question and and really try and unpack that through research and and exploratory design. And I think you know obviously things have to look good, but yeah. um, you know if that's the real driving force of of it's a bit the pro- it's very superficial, yeah. yeah. But you know there's you know there's been tons of um, uh, movements that have, have that that's the primary focus. You yeah. know? But um, you know at the where I teach, you know, it's very much about the ideas, and and they're foregrounded. And where do where do people tend to go from? Graduating from RMIT, yeah. Where do they tend to go? Is it working for themselves, working for larger firms? We have one of the largest. Um, I can't remember the fancy word for it. Like an individual enterprise, or you know, basically people working for themselves that come out of our program. We have some very successful graduates who've gone off and done that, started their own practices. I think you know. I think it's about sixty, sixty-five percent of our graduate students go into architecture and interior design practices kind of globally um, but then we have a lot of other students who kind of um, we have a big presence at the NGV in, t- in terms of their exhibition design Melbourne Museum exhibition design students who go and work at ACME um, film TV set design uh, publication writing um, visual arts installation practices um, uh, m- more kind of advanced digital practices obviously yeah. now um, and then a lot of our students are now seeing the importance of going on and doing some further study. So we now have a, a master's by coursework in interior, which is in its third year. Um, and then we, uh, we're growing our kind of PhD cohort as well. So a lot of um, um, invited um, yeah. industry practitioners are coming back and doing some their PhDs. And then we also have um, uh, students who are taking on the more generative um, PhD by project model. So, yeah, um huge range i mean a student that i studied with her her kind of whole expertise was um she was doing um 
she came out of the program and got into carousel restoration. So, oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. And that a lot of students. Big, that was such a big thing for Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, and I didn't mention a lot of students get into gold and silversmithing, and, and we have a lot of graduates from the program who who are fantastic jewellers as well. So, so. Just clarify, gold and silversmithing no longer exists. Yeah. So those students tend to – the people who would have gone for gold and silversmithing are yeah. heading into your area now. Um, no, well, vice versa, either coming into us or then going out into kind of jewellery design. So yeah. they, we have a really great kind of conversation between, um, yeah, them and us. So. I think that you put the uh, – you know, you kind of um, – uh, made it quite clear. I mean, I think it's quite true that everything is quite broad now. Mm. You know, like an interest in jewellery is yeah. just as a, as relevant to interior design mm. as an interest in furniture mm. or art mm. or the landscape mm -hmm. or urban design. So Polit it is politics, very broad. culture, environment. You know, all of these kinds of things. I think one thing that I've really tried to advocate for in in my studio teaching is thinking about the, the role that interior design can play in, in much larger geopolitical kind of issues. You know, we are living in a time of environmental adversity and, you know, you're thinking about the kind of political um, makeup of our, our world over the last couple of years. You know, that, they're, they're things that heavily influence us as artists and designers, architects, creative people, um, you know. And so I think um, rather than thinking about you know, interior design just being about certain things. It, it can be all sorts of things that play a, a significant role in our in our kind of um, social cultural futures. And and how do you feel? You don't have to say oh, it's, I'm being a bit of a devil's advocate. How do you feel about the whole movement of stylists into the industry? How do you, how do you stylists mean? coming in and kind of pretending to be oh, interior right. designers when they're just really just moving a few pots, a few pots and <laughs> cushions around and going to retailers and getting some furniture delivered? I mean, doesn't that upset you? Because it upsets me. Um, I think it used to. I, not so much anymore. I think it's actually kind of kind of great because <laughs> it, it gets it actually gets people thinking about design and interior. And you know, I actually. Having now worked in the program, I mean, sessionally from 2007 and then coming on full-time in 2013, out, the, the people who want to come and study with it, the numbers are phenomenal, you know, and I, maybe that wouldn't have happened if... We didn't have the broader... If we didn't have the block or we didn't have the interior yeah. stylist and we didn't have, you know, yeah. the, 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 what are they called, influencers, you know. Oh, God, so, I think we'll end this conversation <laughs> now. No, no, yeah. I mean, I totally yeah, yeah. agree. I mean, it has... Um, well, it's just you know RMIT is such a rigorous place, yeah. and it's and it's you know to have to kind of bring yeah. it down to the level of influences, find it really challenging. Yeah, yeah, totally. Of course, no, I totally agree yeah. with you. But you know, I think um, I think the difference is that I've tried to look at these sorts of things with yeah. a bit more. On a personal positive. note, um, yes. James, what are the what are the things in Melbourne that in uh, that inspire you that you just think, wow, God, it's so beautifully handled. You know, something in interior. I mean. John Truscott's, you know, signature yeah. in the art centre. I mean, what, yeah. what really kind of takes your breath away still? Yeah. And you just, you know, perhaps even use it as an example for students. Um, I always, um, I, for some reason, always keep on going back to 101 Collins Street. I love that foyer with the, um, 
the columns. The, in Collins Street? Well, there's the there's the kind of water to the periphery yes. of the space. And, and the columns, I think there's columns. Yeah, and then the beautiful I, – I just – I really love that kind of desk. And then it's always had that, you know, two diff- – in my, my time, two, two kind of – works of art behind it on the wall it's got something i don't know it's that it's that end of collins street it kind of it's grandeur kind of, it's grandeur it sort of it does remind me of of other spaces that i've i've been to overseas i think that was an american designer who did that yeah. it's a dcm building yeah, and then exactly. i think they bought in an american designer too yeah i mean you mentioned the art center and um you know i've i think that as a space you know going to hamer hall and seeing events there you know i think they're kind of some of the most um remarkable experience i've had the forum theater uh, you know oh it's beautiful you know the 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 ceiling in there is you know i I find that's one of the best music venues in in the world um yeah i think it's all just you know having grown up here too there's other spaces um social spaces you know there used to be this great um cafe bar near RMIT when we were all studying called Rue Babylon, which we used to go, you know, $4 sandwiches and $2 coffee. Where was that? Just in uh, Little Lonsdale Street. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's smoking inside and the ceiling is kind of full of dead roses and, you know, at four <laughs> o'clock you could start to, you could buy a beer for four, four bucks, you know. Yeah. And just thinking about those sorts of spaces kind of, you know, in my 20s and growing up and everything was just, you know, Melbourne had really opened up out of the 90s and was becoming really um, such a um, an energetic place, you know. High school, coming into the city to see a movie, and you know, it's just it was a, it was a very very different place. We're really lucky, you know. Um, you know, there up until you know, I'm an artistic director at Blindside Gallery too, and you know that we when Westspace was in the city and 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 Kings and you know, like all of those kinds of um, artist run initiatives and. Unfortunately, due to you know they've they've kind of left the city, but there are still you know you think about um, you know the possibility of the new NGVC and that as a precinct that's going to get um, developed and you know Acker's just a short way away and you know we just have so much going on in 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 this city. So I was in Sydney on the weekend actually, and although it's such a beautiful such a beautiful city, but um, I love coming back here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, James, in terms of your uh, own work, like yeah. you mentioned you just finished this large house mm. in Fitzroy. Mm-hmm. How do you approach that? You know, do you work with the architect from the start or did you, were you actually engaged afterwards? No, I, I worked with the architect from the very get-go. Um, we were engaged um, by the client to do to do this project. They They knew us just from some other projects that we had done. Um, and you know, we I've worked with Campbell quite a lot. Um, you know, my, my own practice is heavily research based, and so that's the kind of the beginnings of the creative the process. So thinking about the site and its history, and um, you know, its connection to country, and what sort of um, uh, what's around it, what's what it's been, um, and then obviously the the brief from the client. But you know, I think in terms of you know my my practice. Over the last, um, especially the last ten to fifteen years, has been much more about um, installation practices in re- in relation to interior design. And um, my PhD was was all about um, foregrounding um, ideas of temporality within spatial practice. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, I've been lucky enough to spend lots of times on, on some residencies where I've been able to kind of really um, delve into kind of material explorations and physical in, in, um, physical explorations in, in relation to my practice. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, to, that's a really long-winded way of saying it, but, it, I mean, re- I mean yeah, research-driven kind of practice is yeah. the beginning of it. Yeah, look, I think, I think interior design is an amazing uh, avenue I mm. think it's you know and it really uh, I think there's so many areas to explore I just think at the moment it's it's not given the rigour in the broader media yeah and that it's kind of muddied you know yeah and you know I don't know why but I think it's not taken seriously yeah I think it's it's almost like well anyone can do it mm. and you know it's a bit like and I disagree I, I think there's certain skills that you need yeah and they might be innate, yeah. But I think there's probably too many people dressed up as designers, kind of making a muck, yeah. of things. <laughs> well, I think they do. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And you know, the g- good spaces have have been designed by good designers. Yeah. You know, and there won't be. You know, you're thinking through the the, the architectural awards on Friday night. I mean, there wasn't a, you know, good spaces are designed by good designers yeah no i agree um look thank you so much for joining me today james thank you it's been a pleasure and uh look forward to further chats along down the track thanks um you've been listening to james carey who's a uh, lecturer at rmit in the design program and uh, well i should call you dr james <laughs> it is, you're a doctor yeah i am but yeah i don't i yeah Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, called Dr. James Carey, and you've been listening to um, Stephen Crafty talking design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.